This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Jesus, 
What a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. Good morning, everybody. I'm a poor substitute for the mountain climber. <laughs> I'm glad they made it back. Is this on? It is. Okay. It's a wonderful morning, and I'm so grateful for the moderated temperature. Isn't it wonderful? Whoa, my kind. We're going to be sharing with you from Daniel chapter 3 today. If you want to go there, it'll be projected on the screen, I trust. I want to talk to you about faith tested by fire. Going to be tested. By way of introduction, I, back a few months ago during the commencement time when students were graduating, I read and heard about a courageous young man by the name of Roy Costner. Uh, He was the valedictorian of his class and so was asked to give a speech at the graduating uh, ceremonies, but with limits. He was very specifically told, there'll be no prayer, you are to make no reference to God, or Jesus, nor are you to read any scripture. In fact, we want to read your speech prior to uh, your giving it in order to approve it. And so I suppose he created one and submitted it to them for their approval. But when the time came (laughs) for the commencement service, he laid aside his prepared speech. And after giving a brief testimony, he just began quoting the Lord's Prayer. And there was stunned silence. Uh, The uh, principal, uh, he looked like he was about to have a stroke. And people wondered about the reaction. When suddenly from way back there came weak applause... And then over here, someone joined in that applause. And pretty soon, more of the class, his fellow classmates, began to applaud until they stood to their feet as he completed the the giving of the Lord's Prayer. His voice was drowned out in thunderous applause as students stood to their feet and cheered the courage of this young man. Well, it uh, it was met with quite a reaction. Very soon the administration said that there won't be any repercussions. I think they understood that uh, there was uh, broad-based support for what he had done. I saw him being interviewed on Fox News, and I understand he was on some of the other networks, and he said, I was terribly nervous to do what I did. Is this thing causing some, some, uh, I think maybe, 
some, I, I got a lot of power. I want to tell you. It isn't me. Get it? All right, man. You're, you're the man. I don't think. You know what the fall is, don't you? The fall of Satan out of heaven. You know where he went. When he fell from heaven, he fell right into sound equipment. That's where we're at. So having referenced Roy Costner, I want to talk about three young men who showed immense courage when their faith was tested. In fact, it made Roy's uh, courage seem rather anemic by comparison. And re- I have a rather long reading, so I'm going to have to read fast. I hope you can listen fast. Daniel chapter 3, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 60 cubits high and 6 cubits wide and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the advisors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. So, the satraps... Prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before it. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, Nations and peoples of every language, this is what you were commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the I don't know what a zither is. I don't know what a liar. Oh, yeah, I know what a liar is. <laughs> that isn't what it means. <laughs> as soon as you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, and all kinds of music, all the nations and peoples of every language fell down and worshipped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. At this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, May the king live forever. Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold. And that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But... There are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. 
They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? I'm going to give you a second chance. Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue from my hand? It gets gooder and gooder. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. Did we sing a while ago, I am not alone? Did we sing it? I'm not alone. You're not alone. The God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Nebuchadnezzar had a stroke. Well, kind of. He was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in the army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the burning, the blazing furnace. Those that, so these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. I'm editorializing here. I don't even think they got in a hurry. I think their attitude was, well, yeah. In a little while. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. And the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their head singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angels and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command. 
and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I decree now that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble for no other god can save in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the presence of Babylon, and they all lived happily ever after. (laughs) Something like that. I just tell you, this impresses me that these three men stood so resolutely, though tested by fire. And uh, since time has a way of speeding by, Get right to the heart of the matter and make a few observations about your faith and the possibility and the likelihood that it too will be tested by fire. And the first observation is simply this. Great pressure. Great and increasing pressure will be put on you to bow down to the gods of this world. Now, isn't that profound? But friends, we might as well get ready for that fact. Because we've been living in a rather rarefied atmosphere, if you will, here in America. For these several centuries, we've enjoyed a period of time where there's been very little persecution of Christians in this country. I would tell you that's an aberration of history. This is not the norm. Christians have been, continue to be, as I speak, persecuted around the world. In fact, there are more martyrs dying, giving their lives for the cause of Christ now than perhaps any time in history. There are people in various countries, ten of which are rated as being extremely persecuted. You'd be hard-pressed to convince them that the tribulation period is not now transpiring. But does anybody besides me notice a change in the atmosphere? Over the course of my lifetime, friends, it's a changing. And it's a changing quick. Joe, you're guilty of hate speech practically every time you stand in this pulpit according to the God of political correctness. All of you, why, you're as bad as the Taliban. You people are guilty of hatred, violence. That's the way you're being caricatured today. And friends, I want to tell you, it's not going to get better. There was a day when, for one to claim to be a Christian, oh, it was a leg up. So far as a political office was concerned, so far as a job was concerned, no, no, no. To be a Christian now is a negative. It's a hurdle you've got to get over. Friends, I want to tell you, we can expect it because they hated Christ. And if they hated Christ, they're going to hate you. Jesus forewarned us of that. And so we can expect increasing and escalating pressure 
to be brought to bear on our faith. There was all kinds of pressure, peer pressure. Look at them. Oh, everybody else is bowing down. Everybody else is doing it. What's the matter with you, Mr. Goody Two-Shoes? Are you holier than all the rest of us? Tremendous peer pressure for them to just go along with the flow. Why be an oddball? Why be the odd man out? Peer pressure. Economic pressure. (laughs) Hey, these guys held prestigious positions in uh, the government of, uh, of the land. They were going to lose their job if they didn't behave themselves. Are you hearing me? Peer pressure. Economic pressure. Political pressure. Nebuchadnezzar himself had said, you will do this. <laughs> oh, my dear friends, it's tremendous political pre- pressure. And then even survival pressure. Their very lives were at stake. They had no illusions about that. And so I just want to emphasize to you that we should not consider it an abnormal thing when pressure is brought to bear on our faith. Let me go to another observation. (laughs) That is this. The gods of this world always appear bigger than life. This thing was about 90 feet in the air and about 9 feet wide. Pretty impressive, right? Whoa! It cast a long shadow. This is some more significant idol that has been erected. But it was nothing but metal and structure and perhaps some concrete reinforcement rebar, whatever they had back in those days, it promised more than it could deliver. And that's the way it is with the gods of this world. They always appear bigger than life. You say, Brother Beckham, nothing equivalent to that exists in our world today. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, it does. In fact, we got lots of them. Can I name some of them? Well, now, don't be irritated with me here. Uh, The Oscars. The Grammys. The Golden Globes. The Emmys. The Dove Awards. Are you catching on? It's big time stuff. People prepare. Billions of dollars are spent. Thousands of hours of TV time and commentary and analysis and the whys and the wherefores. Oh, yeah, it goes on. Hang with me. Super Bowl. The World Series. Daytona 500. Oh, yeah. There are people whose whose whole lives revolve around anticipating the time when they'll get to hear that great American hymn sung by Hank Williams, Jr. Are you ready for some football? 
big deal. Big deal. Idols. Oh, now, hey, I kind of like the football season myself. So I'm not condemning you there. But what I'm telling you is that there are people whose whole lives revolve around these towering idols. There's one that towers above them all these days. It's called political correctness. Well, we've all got to bow down to that one. Christians have a word, a descriptive word for all of these immense idols that promise more than they deliver. It's a, it's, I don't know whether you're going to find this word in the dictionary or not. It's a compound word. It's kind of a complex word. But it pretty much describes how we Christians should feel about all of these monumental, towering, impressive idols. That word is whoopie-doo. It's Greek. Whoopie-doo. I just moved up here from Louisiana. And brother, they have their casinos down there. In fact, they've created Native American places to justify reservations, justify their building of these vast casinos. Uh, Of an evening, you can tell when you get within 50 miles of one of them. Because the night sky begins to flitter and you think, man, is there a storm coming or what? They have such high intensity lights just nearly blind you when you drive by them of a night. Flashing their lights. Alluring people. Come in. This is the biggest thing there is this side of Texas. People come in there. On weekends when we're struggling and fill our churches, those parking lots are jam-packed full. Just pulling them levers. I spoke to one guy once. I met him out at the uh, park. My brother had come down. He was in the RV next to me, and I engaged him in conversation. I said, I suppose you're over here playing the boats. Yeah, man. He said, we're having fun. Well, how'd you much, how much how much did you do good last night? He said, well, lost about $450. I said, well, you're surely not going to go back. Oh, yeah, man. I saw him at breakfast the next day. I said, did you do any good last night? Oh, he said, I lost about 500 last night. I said, you know, my friend, I guess that's pleasure, but about one night of that pleasure would be about all I could stand. <laughs> oh, he said, it's fun. Three or four t- days, I queried him as to his winnings. He lost every time. <laughs> he went home just to cheesing. I thought, dear Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm not seeing something here. Something in the computing. What I'm trying to impress upon you, my dear friend, is that the world always appears that way. Bigger than life. Promising more than it can deliver. 
An empty promise. Flashing lights. Excitement. Whoopie-doo. Whoopie-doo. Let me just try to wrap this up. Ministerially speaking. Looking at the, the essence of true fire-tested faith. These young men are amazing. Verses 17 and 18. Let's go to that. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace. Can you get that up on the screen? Maybe that verse 17 and 18. If you could, I'd be glad. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you've set up. You see, I I, kind of made this hopefully that you can remember it. Number one, talking about the essence of their faith, they had faith in God's reality over against the unreality of this immense image that's towering toward the sky, 90 feet tall. The world is saying, this is to be worshipped. This is the real deal. This is the big thing. And they said, whoopee-doo. Notice the conviction with which they say it. The God whom we serve. The God whom we serve. They had faith in God's reality. My dear friends, while there are a few things that we might enjoy as we walk through this earth, on this globe, I mentioned a few of those things. I, I like to horses, so I like to kind of pay attention who wins the Kentucky Derby. And you might like uh, football and be fascinated with all of who, who, who's the champion team. And all of you in this part of the country, uh, your blood is not red, it is blue. I can see that. You root for the royals, and that's okay. But let's understand one thing, my dear friend. There's reality. And God is that reality. And He is the one true reality. And all of these things are phantoms. They're passing. They will fade. And so they had faith God's reality and they had faith in God's ability so let's say it faith in God's reality they had faith in God's ability say that word with me ability faith in God's ability notice what it says in verse 17 If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able. (laughs) He is able to deliver us from it. 
And I want to tell you emphatically this morning, the God we serve is able to deliver you from the devil's designs on your life. He is able to keep us pure and victorious in this polluted world. And He is able to keep His promise with regard to a better world that He's preparing for us. Do you believe that? The God we serve is able. Amen. They had faith in God's reality. They had faith in God's ability. And then I liked it. They had faith in God's fidelity. That is his faithfulness. Verse 17 again. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will. He will deliver us from it. Our God is faithful. Now, crowd, what I'm trying to impress upon you, it's time for us to cease living defeated lives. The God whom we serve is able and He will deliver us. Amen. Am I getting myself in hot water here? Well, hang on. Because they not only had... Well, I better give you a a test. How are we doing? Their faith demonstrated faith in God's reality. Faith in God's ability. Faith in God's fidelity. But here's another one. They had faith in God's sovereignty. Verse 17 again. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver, to deliver us from it. And He will deliver us from your master's, Majesty's hand. But they don't stop there. But even... Whoa. But even if He does not, we want you to know, Your Majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you've set up. Now you say, that's a cop-out. No, it's not a contradiction. They said, He will deliver us, but they're making room for God's sovereignty. He may not do it the way we want Him to do it. (laughs) We may be burnt to a crisp, but we're going to be delivered nonetheless. And we're not going to bow regardless if we are burnt to a crisp. They made room for God's sovereignty. Remember? God allowed James to be beheaded, but He delivered Peter. We sometimes don't understand that. We don't understand why God doesn't do it our way. But nonetheless, when God doesn't seem to be acting as we think He should, our faith is still rock solid. We believe that He does not make any mistakes. He's not caught by surprise. It doesn't slip up on His blind side. God has a master plan. And He's going to glorify His name in the midst of anything and everything that happens to us. And after all, I'm to live for His glory. They had faith in God's sovereignty. And then this last one. And I've got to close because my time is up. They had faith in God's victory. 
And He will. He will deliver us. And suddenly, King Nebuchadnezzar jumps to his feet and he says, Guys, didn't we cast three men into that burning, blazing furnace? They said, Certainly, Your Majesty. But I see the fourth. And he has the appearance of the Son of God. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, get out of there. There's no God like your God. And there's no God that can deliver like your God. Let's see how you did. How is your faith? Do you have faith in God's reality? Faith in God's ability? Faith in God's fidelity? Huh? Faith in God's sovereignty and faith in God's victory. There was a day, probably uh, Nebuchadnezzar is reminded of this, he had had a terrible night of nightmares. And he got a vision and had to have Daniel interpret that vision and and and. Daniel said, Nebuchadnezzar, you saw in your dream a massive image. It had a head of gold. It had a breast of silver. It had a belly and, and thighs of bronze and legs of iron. And it had feet of iron mixed with clay. And those represent the great kingdoms of the world. You're that head. You're the goal. There will come the Grecian, Persian and the Grecian and the Roman Empire. But he said, you saw something else. You saw a little rock way off yonder that had been hewn out of the mountain. And it had been hewn out without human pants. And it begins to roll and roll and roll in your direction. And it gets bigger and bigger and bigger until it crashes into this immense image of gold and silver and bronze and iron. And it crushes it to smithereens. And that little stone that was hewn out of the mountains without hands is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ in His kingdom that is eventually going to absolutely obliterate all the ponderous and majestic and threatening images of this world. And my dear friends, I'm glad I'm on the winning side. Your faith will be tested by fire. But it's a faith that will gain you the victory. Let's stand. Thank you for being here today. Thank you, Joe, for allowing me this opportunity to share with this wonderful crowd of people. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, we claim to be people of faith. Some of us have better faith and stronger faith than others. But Lord, I pray that you'll purify our faith. Because we need to understand it's likely not to get better 
And our faith is going to be tested by fire. You're going to have a tested people. And Father, the church here in America has been luxuriating in freedom and liberty. And that's beginning to change and it's uncomfortable. May we not lose heart. May we understand that all of these significant, ponderous things that have been erected as being reality and truth, these gods of this world, well, they're hollow. They promise more than they can deliver. And one of these days, our God is going to smash all of them to powder. Father, I pray that you'll help us to have a faith that will be strong like these three men cast into the fire. We are not alone. We are not alone. You stand with us. You're by our side. And you will get us the victory in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You have a great week. See you at the camp meeting. You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.